This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihew from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, everybody out there in listener land, this is episode number seven of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. I want to thank everybody out there for listening, old listeners, new listeners. Thanks for joining us for what I think will be another amazing episode. We got a lot of really cool stuff to talk about. I'm here in our virtual studio with my co-host, Steve Massar from Premier Property Group. What's going on, Steve? Hey, Tucker. Good to be back in the virtual studio. Hope you're having a great week. I am. It's a short week for a lot of people. We've got Labor Day weekend, obviously, coming up. I know you're probably getting out of town here shortly. We'll be here cranking out this episode so everybody can listen to it on Friday, but it's a good weekend for people to go do what it is that they do on Labor Day weekend. Absolutely. It's kind of different this year. School started for so many people this week, which is the first time I can remember that in my recollection prior to Labor Day. So yeah, little, it does seem a little strange. Deal. I know that, and a lot of the school districts were kind of staggered. Like Lake Oswego, I think, started this week. Beaverton starts next week. Portland School started last week. Kind of a weird deal. So I, I don't know who decided to do that, but I, yeah, you're right. I don't ever remember school starting before Labor Day before. Yeah, it makes for a different feeling Labor Day holiday. It's not your typical like, hey, this is the last hurrah of summer. It's more like, okay, summer's kind of over, but here comes the first holiday of the fall. (laughs) Yeah, and what's even weirder is I actually have a wedding tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Odd time, so I won't pick on them too much, but I've got to get all the way out to McMinniman's Edgefield by 5 o'clock tomorrow for a wedding. So we'll see how that goes. I was just at McMinnman's Edgefield last Friday for a uh, concert. Love that place. Love that place. Actually was really embracing the whole McMinnman's business model, their concept, you know, their different venues. We talked about it quite a bit, actually. It was pretty cool. The different venues they have, the similarities and the differences with them, they're all a little unique in different locations, but they have those little quirky similarities, like a little tiny closet that ends up being a bar. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it, that is kind of neat. I actually saw Leonard Skinner concert there, and it was kind of cool. They were only serving tall boys of PBR and Jack and Coke. That's all you could buy. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Yeah, great business model. And McMinimins, I can't say enough about how great a job they've done with their product and their service and their you know business model. And they are expanding. I, I'm hearing they're moving bigger into Seattle. Good for them. Good yeah. for them. A little Portland-based company. Yeah, that's cool for sure. Well, besides the uh, Labor Day weekend, before we get into our uh, topic this week, what's going on with you? Anything new on the business front? Yeah. So as usual, I'm going to try to break it up into a couple different segments. I mean, I like to talk on the broker side as an actual agent on the streets. And then I'll talk a little bit on the brokerage side as the owner and VP of sales and marketing for our firm, Premier Property Group. On the broker side, I'm kind of going through a little bit of a um, scaling process right now. Our business has grown in just the short three years that I've been a licensed realtor. Of course, I did have a lot of real estate background in the mortgage industry prior, but as this three years that I've been a licensed realtor, I mean, there's been a tremendous growth trajectory. And with a growth trajectory to ensure that you continue to provide the same level of service, you constantly have to be leveraging yourself, your team through systems, people. And so I'm kind of going through a big phase of that right now. We're dividing our buyer side and our listing side into a couple different divisions. And basically, I have three listing specialists now. And so on every listing that I have, I have a co-list. Whereas in the past, it was one person for all the listings. We're now going into a model where I have a co-list for all the east side stuff. 
I then have two West Side, because I do a little bit more business there, as you can imagine, two West Side co-listing specialists. One is what I call the Central West of the West Side, which would be like more Lake Oswego, Tualatin, Westland, Tigard. And then more of the Northwest. That would be, you know, more Bethany, Hillsborough, Beaverton, and those areas. So I'm in that process now. I've hired a couple new people. We're ramping them up to our systems. And then I'm also going to be doing something very similar on the buyer side. That side, I'm going to have more of the west side buyer division and the east side buyer division. So that's something that I've been very heavily focused on here probably the past month, but I've been in meetings after meetings here this last week. And it's going to be a big change that I think is going to really allow my team to hit another level of production that we're shooting for and that our goals are to do. On the brokerage side, we're working on some new signage. That's been something we've been working on for quite a while. We did a rebrand here about, oh, three months ago, four months ago, where we redesigned our logo. In conjunction with that, we're rolling out some new signage. We've been working on this for quite a while. We've gone through a couple different vendors. We're kind of throwing some different stuff at some different vendors to identify the final selection. We're in the final phases of this. We're really excited about what we're going to be rolling out. I mean, to me, signage is so important because it goes in front of a house and it creates an element of the curb appeal. I think some real estate companies get that fact lost in the process. I think they just are quick to put you know, their logo on a white sign or pink sign or green sign, whatever the case is. And they forget that, you know, this is in front of the house and people are driving by and it's important that it looks good because it's important that the house looks good and it all needs to work together. So it's something that I'm definitely putting a lot of focus on as the head of marketing for our firm. We're coming out with a couple different looks. We're going to have a luxury gray. There's going to be two options for our agents, a luxury gray and a rich red are the two different color options. We're also going to have two sizes. One's going to be your more standard 18 by 24, and then we're going to have a 24 by 24. And the 24 by 24, which will be kind of our higher end signage, it's going to actually have a reflective finish. So at night when cars are driving by, we'll have a reflection to it. We're even working with some of our brokers and partnered up with some solar companies that will provide lighting for the signs at night so that they charge it during the day. And then when the sun goes down, they automatically turn on the lights and they shine on the sign for those reflective ones. So we're trying to do some innovative, really cool stuff in that regard. And I would say within the next 30 days, you'll see us rolling all that out. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad to hear you guys are putting some thought into that. We do that a lot with our projects too. And so we'll put a sign up, a TTM development sign while we're working on stuff, as long as it's not an area that it puts us at risk of being broken into, because everybody knows it's a construction site. But, you know, we'll put a sign out there that looks like your typical realtor sign, but the post, we actually have painted the post black. So we have a black themed sign and then a black post. So it gives it a real sharp look. So it's cool to, you know, hear that you guys are putting more thought than the average bear into, you know, how you're displaying your company logo and and ultimately how you're marketing the property, which is great. Yeah, thank you. How about yourself? How's your week been? What do you got going on? Uh, It's been an interesting week. It always is in the development side of the business. I've had a few things that are out of the norm this week that I've dealt with. First is I... You know, these days I don't really manage my own rentals. I know that you've had a number of rentals over the years, so we can probably, you know, have some fun at my expense here on on one of my rental turnovers. I currently manage one of my rentals now because I've just, I rented it a long time ago. It hasn't turned over. I've got a good buddy who owns Gateway Property Management. So anybody out there that's interested in a management company, he's done a fantastic job for me on all my other rentals. He does a lot of our short-term stuff too when we're buying stuff, going to eventually move tenants out, redevelop the land. But this particular property, it's a house in Lake Oswego. It's about, oh, a half mile from my place. And I rented it to a gal about five years ago. And it was kind of against my better judgment. 
she claimed that she was just gone through a bad divorce and that's why her credit was in the, you know, crap tank. And so I basically let her rent the house. I did take a larger deposit. I made her pay first and last. So I did kind of hedge my bets a little bit and protect myself. But anyway, I went over there yesterday or the day before yesterday to just make sure she'd been out because she had agreed to be out on the first. I didn't hear from her about getting the keys. Well, I show up and the house is wide open. All the stuff's gone. It looks like a bomb went off in there and there was a big leak in the laundry room. She pulled the hoses off from the washer, but she just let that housing unit She'd cracked one of the valves and it was just leaking everywhere. There was literally a used on the floor in the bathroom with a bunch of other. It was just horrible. It was terrible. So we weren't going to have to gut it before moving it on to whatever the next stage is for that property. But as it turns out, we ended up having to gut it. So I've had a lot of fun with that. I had some back and forth with her after the fact. And she'd claim that just all kinds of crazy stuff that tenants tend to do when, you know, you catch them doing things that they shouldn't be doing or just not treating the property correctly. So that's been a lot of fun. Moral of the story for me is I just don't have the time to manage my own rentals properly these days. So everything that I have now, I actually have my buddy at Gateway Manage and it's just better that way. And this is just another really good example of why you just can't get lazy managing your rentals because at times, as I'm sure you've known in the past from having a few rentals yourself, you know, you never know with tenants. Yeah, I went to a management company as fast as humanly possible. I think after the fourth time of having a vacant property and putting the ad on Craigslist and going out there and you know doing the 20 minute drive across town getting there nobody shows up going back home having it happen again i mean it's just headache after headache so the cheapest couple hundred bucks you'll ever spend <laughs> is when you stop doing that and focus on other beneficial tasks. I yeah, agree. I totally agree. But generally, people don't get to that point until they're a little further along in their real estate career. They've got a little more in assets, so they're not so heavily leveraged when they're buying rental properties and they've got slimmer cash flow. So there's a lot of things that factor into it. I won't go into that in the show. No, I get it. I get it. And and there's different schools of thought on that. And it, it depends too how many you have and how far it is from your house. If you have one and it's you know a block away, then there's an argument to manage it yourself. And then if you have 100 and they're all over the place, there's an equally strong argument to not <laughs> manage any of them yourself. Yeah, exactly. So that's the fun side of this week, I guess, being a little funny here. But, you know, as far as stuff that maybe our listeners might benefit from, other than just my expense, is we've been doing our uh, due diligence on our Dunthorpe project that we're under contract to purchase. It's about an acre and a quarter in Dunthorpe off Iron Mountain. It's going to be an amazing property. But one thing that I found interesting is we've been doing all our due diligence and I had my arborist out there. We had to do kind of an accounting for all the trees that are on. It's very heavily wooded because it's never been developed. So it's like a piece of property out here in the Wild West that's never been developed. So there's tons and tons of trees on it. Well, in the city of Portland, if you have a lot, and this rarely ever happens because rarely do you have a lot that's over an acre in the city of Portland. It's pretty rare. This will be one that ends up being over an acre. We're not going to split it. And if that's the case, you have to do an accounting of all the trees on there and you have to salvage at least 30% of the trees that are 12 inches or more in diameter at breast height. So we basically had to go around the whole property, count them out, figure out where the ones we could salvage, and then also factor that into how we position the new house on there. So there's been a lot going on with that, but it's an interesting little, you know, code tidbit as far as, you know, what you got to do with trees, because trees are a very hot topic around here, especially in development. But if you've got a, a one acre lot or bigger in the city of Portland, you have to keep 30% of the trees that are on it that are over 12 inches in diameter at breast height. So something to keep wow. in mind. Interesting. Good to know. Good yeah. good info for our listeners. For sure. And beyond that, as you know, we do a lot of new construction, but we do do some rehabs too. We just put a rehab under contract in the Brooklyn neighborhood. I don't know how familiar you are with that, but right in close in Southeast. 
Right, yeah, just south of the Ross Island Bridge. You know, I didn't always know there was a Brooklyn in Portland. <laughs> I, I didn't either. It, it is something I came across along the way, and it's it's interesting. You know, by our printer here in my office, we have one of those Portland maps that shows all the different neighborhoods. And so every time I have a big print job, <laughs> and I click print, and I am walk over to the printer, and I'm waiting for five minutes for it to get done, I love to look at that map. I always see names that I've heard along the way, and I'm just like, oh, that's where that is. Because there is, our city does have some really interesting little neighborhoods to it and dispersed throughout. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I first got into the mortgage business way back when with you that I had a client who said she wanted to sell her house and move to Hollywood. And I thought, well, <laughs> does she really want to move to Hollywood? I was thinking California, but little did I know at the time that we actually have a Hollywood, right? I mean, yep, I probably yep. sound like an idiot for saying that, but this was way back in 2002. So, you know. <laughs> Cut me some slack. But so anyway, we're, we're excited about this project in Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn is one of those pockets that's got room to improve. Prices are still pretty low relative to the surrounding areas and close in southeast. So, you know, that's one area that we're marketing pretty heavily to, you know, potentially acquire more renovation projects moving forward. Okay, so I got to say something now. I wasn't planning on talking about this today, but I just had a listing appointment in Brooklyn as well. I fully agree with you. And you have to bring up in this conversation the orange line. Have you heard much about this? Not so much. Maybe you can kind of fill um, me in. It was a multi-billion dollar project, and our logo for this show is a part of that money. Gotcha. The, the Tillicum Bridge, right? Did I say that right? Yep, I think so. The orange line is going to run. It's in the final legs of this project. I was just reading about it yesterday. It's going to essentially run from downtown Portland to Milwaukee. Okay? Mm. And it's going to basically just be a light rail transit system that has, I think they said, it's not a lot of stops. It's enough to get people where they want to go, but it's also not too many so that it's a slow trip. They say it's about 16, 17 minutes from Milwaukee to downtown Portland. So there's a lot of projected growth, and Brooklyn is part of this orange line, that is going to happen along that transit system. And there's going to be a lot of development. It's going to be interesting to watch, and I fully agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you've got the same take on the Brooklyn neighborhood as I do. So anyway, that's what's going on with me this week on the real estate front. It's been a good week overall, but always colorful in the real estate business, as uh, anybody that's been in it for a while can probably attest to. But beyond that, we've got a great show this week. We've got a really cool topic, and it's all about online resources. And we're going to talk about two websites specifically that we both use as online resources, one of which that we'll start off with is uh, Zillow. And I know that you've got a pretty close relationship with not only the folks that started Zillow, but a lot of the people that work for them now too, and the higher ups that can tell you what's coming and you know what they're working on. And I know you had a long conversation this week with one of those folks, so maybe we'll jump in and, and you can kind of tell us whatever it is that might be notable about Zillow. Yeah, so to start out with, I'm going to address a topic. Zillow's a pretty hot topic. I mean, if you ever wanted to get polar opposite opinions on a large publicly traded company that is a multi-billion dollar company amongst realtors, start talking about Zillow. I mean, I've heard the best of the best and the worst of the worst on this company. I personally fall in the first category, so I, I want to kind of address that. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't like Zillow because they feel they are taking their business. I think that's probably the safe way to say that. We won't be the first or the last people to feel that way about an entity, and I guess... What my thought process is, is if you can't beat them, join them, okay? 
Here's the thing that Zillow does and, and what I respect. They, in 2005, started in, they're based out of Seattle, Washington. They're a bunch of smart guys that are, they're a tech company, okay? Nothing more, nothing less. They're definitely not a real estate company, even though their technology is based on real estate. So you better believe they learned their stuff fast about what works and what doesn't in real estate and how the dynamics of everything flows. So what they did was prior to that and since then, a lot of companies out there, a lot of websites out there will show you what houses are for sale, okay? I would venture there's thousands that you can go to that anytime a buyer has a house that wants to buy a house can go on a site, one of the thousands of sites, and they can see all the ones for sale. Zillow went deeper than that. They said, we don't want to just have all the houses for sale. Yes, we'll have those houses, but we want to log data on every house in the United States, okay? And of course, one of the ways they do that is when a house goes for sale, it populates onto their site, and then they store that information. They don't take it down when that house goes off the market. They keep it there, they have the photos, they have the description, and five years later, anyone who lives on that same street can go and say, hey, I wonder what you know 123 Main Street looks like on the inside, and they can pop onto those photos. They also got really good at the algorithm for the Zestimates. Now a lot more companies are trying to do that, but but at the time, that was kind of a cutting-edge thing, and they, they really caught some momentum with that as well. So what Zillow became good at was becoming a home base for homeowners, whether they're in the market to buy or sell or not. I'm sure you know people, Tucker, that you've met with who aren't even in the market to buy or sell, and they're like, yeah, my Zestimate is X. So obviously they've checked Zillow somewhere along the way, almost like you know somebody with a stock portfolio would check their stock and see how it's doing today. They do that the same with their probably most expensive asset, their house, and they can kind of keep tabs on it. Zillow wanted that. They encouraged that, and they nurtured that. So along the way, what happens is those same people, somewhere down the road, they do decide they want to buy or sell a house. And what's the natural place for them to go? Zillow. Right. And hence the reason why the data says that they have about 80 million hits per month in the United States. Now, to put that in perspective, there's over, a little over 300 million people in this country. So they're getting a lot of hits on their site. Yeah, that's um, huge. That's a giant number. So early on in my career... In my first year as a realtor, I got in touch with Zillow. I kind of started dabbling with them. I saw there was some power there. I saw that there was a, the thing with Zillow and any other online tool and any other kind of online lead source is you got to convert. It's all about the conversion. If you get 10 leads and you convert zero, it's going to feel like it's a terrible source. If you get one lead and you convert it, it's going to feel like a great source. So I had some good success with our systems, our marketing, and various techniques we were using to convert leads. And as I did that more and more, I invested more and more heavily into the site and the program. Got to know some of the people there. I've met the CEO, Spencer Ratzkoff. I also was on an expert panel with some other realtors talking about just some of our success with the program. I've been to their Seattle headquarters and met some of their executives there as well. So I, I know them pretty well. A couple things I want to talk about because this is affecting a lot of people and my vision with this program, Tucker, is just to add value to our listeners. I mean, you know, we could come here and we could listen to ourselves talk a lot, but that's not our purpose. And we could try to keep the secrets that we know to ourselves, but that's not going to lead to a successful and meaningful podcast. And so that's part of our jobs and role to do here. Of course. So there's some big changes going on with Zillow. And I wanted to kind of share with our listeners some of the stuff that I was catching wind of. Zillow bought Trulia about a year ago, or they put the deal together about a year ago. I think it closed in the spring. They bought them for about, I think it started at $3.5 They I think they brought it down to $3 billion at the end. 
Zilla was the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Trulia was the 400-pound gorilla in the room. Now there's a 1,200-pound gorilla in the room. The statistics say that about half of all online real estate searching will be done on that new site. They're still independent sites. Neither one's going away. But between the two, now they have about 50% of the users out there. So in the last week, Zillow has started to put impressions for people who had relationship with only Zillow now onto Trulia. So myself, for example, I, I do a lot of advertising with Zillow and I would pay X amount of dollars and they would put me on Zillow and, you know, I would get leads from that. Well, all of a sudden in the last week, now nothing has changed with what I pay. It still goes to Zillow, which is now Zillow Group. It's the parent company. And it's not actually exactly half, but some of it goes on to Zillow, some of it goes on to Trulia. Same zip code. So in other words, if I have 97035, which is in the north part of Lake Oswego, which I do, I have a certain number of impressions with Zillow Group, and they're going to service those impressions across both sites. Gotcha. Now, sometimes that might be, you know, in theory, it should end up about 50-50, but that is not, I talked to my rep, he said that's not how it's going to work out. It's just, they're going to view it as one big pool and they're going to service the impressions across the span of them. So that's a big change going on. Agents are probably noticing that now, and they're seeing that they're on Trulia instead of just Zillow. And one of the other things they're doing, too, that's interesting is now all my reviews that were on Zillow are on Trulia as well. All of my past sales that were on Zillow are on Trulia as well. They are currently working on having that be a seamless one-place entry where... When a new review goes on to Zillow or Truly, it'll flow to the other. I had to manually do it thus far, and I worked straight with my reps over there to do that. But they are integrating that so that it'll be a seamless process. Or when you close out a sale, you'll put it on Zillow, and it'll, it'll flow over to Truly as well. I was told that was supposed to happen on Wednesday. Then they yesterday said it was going to be delayed till Friday. Now they're not quite sure, but it's really, really close upon us. The only other thing that I'll say that's kind of interesting about this, as I'm going through my notes, they are working on a program... My contact over there told me to keep this <laughs> kind of <laughs> under wraps, which I don't think I'm doing very well. But <laughs> I'm right. very we'll vague about it. But no, they're, they're working on a program where they're going to be the first point of contact for those who want to implement it. And basically, when a Zillow or truly a lead comes in, they're going to have a staff that will make first and immediate contact with the person to ask a couple quick basic questions. Are you working with a realtor? What questions do you have? so that they can kind of put that lead in a holding pattern and then turn it over to the agent that it belongs to. They've been testing this now in quite a few markets and it is getting quite a bit of traction and having a lot of success. So are they trying to like better qualify the leads to essentially deliver you as an agent a better qualified lead? Is that essentially the 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 reason behind this, you think? Twofold. I think it's twofold. They want an immediate contact with the lead. I think that's part of the success with Zillow. Agents who don't have great success with Zillow called the contact six hours later. Right. That's one of the problems. Obviously, there's others as well. So it's immediate contact. And yes, they're going to be the first line of screening for that lead to ask a couple basic quick questions. Again, it doesn't mean it's a great lead, but it, it means that they pass the first couple gates of vetting being, are you working with a realtor? And, you know, are you interested in this house? And then they move them over to the realtor. So I think the immediacy is part of the key. I think it's going to be great. This is my perspective in talking to them. My team does that pretty good. We're pretty on our leads. I've got a good-sized team, and we can accommodate that. We can be on it. We can be calling a lead within five minutes. We've got the systems and the team in place to do that. Not every agent out there does. I mean, there are a lot of single agents that are working on their own, 
And you have to think that there's times when they're in a listing appointment, they're showing houses, or they're at their kids' soccer practice where they just can't get to that lead immediately. And this would be a great, great tool for them. And I think they're going to really, really benefit from and enjoy that. I agree with you. I think that first touch is huge. I think that's a big thing. I mean, we do generate a lot of leads online through our own site that, you know, we've done a lot of things over the years to make it easily findable for people that potentially want to sell their homes that are a good fit for my company to buy. And yeah, if you don't answer them right away, obviously they might drift off into Never Never Land. So definitely making that first contact. So I can see why Zillow making that contact is huge, not only to qualify the lead, but also to essentially make it a real lead and not just somebody that drifts away into Never Never Land that they then, you know, hope an agent can track down. Absolutely. So the last thing I'll say about this, and I'll let you get to your topic, is in this transition where Zillow merged and took over Trulia, they now only have reps for both. So there has been a reshifting. A lot of brokers in our community and beyond are probably noticing that they're working with a new Zillow rep. And it's not just a Zillow rep now, it's a Zillow group rep, which means that person is selling Zillow impressions and truly impressions. And and truth be told, they also go on to AOL, Yahoo, MSN Homes, Yahoo Homes, AOL Homes. So they broadcast to several other sites, even though Zillow and Truly are by far the biggest and the most noteworthy. So those reps will now sell both Zillow and Truly. And so I asked my contact there, I said, so how did that affect Truly? He said, you know, they kept the good Truly reps and then they let go of the others, and then they just reshuffled everybody so that all the different brokers out there have you know, one rep. I think it's interesting information for our audience, and it works well for my business. I know there's different schools of thought out there. I respect all of them, but I know a lot of people do use Zillow and Truly now as well, and I think they'd love to hear about that. Yeah, I think that's all valuable information, and, and honestly, we've, we've gone on quite a while talking about this, but I think it's all great, so I, I think I'm going to kind of withhold the second part of this conversation for maybe a future episode just so that we don't water down the information that you've put out there from doing your research with Zillow and Trulia and the guys there. But yeah, it's great information. And you've obviously done really well advertising, using them to generate leads. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but remember the project that you listed for me a while back, that renovation project in Lake Oswego, the buyer found us before we put it on RMLS because you inputted it on Zillow like the night before. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I do remember that. Yep. So, you know, the power of Zillow is, you know, not only on the on the agent side for generating leads, but also generating buyers for your listings. I mean, I was unaware of the fact that people looked at Zillow that heavily for potential, you know, houses to buy until that time. So it was a real eye opener for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you remember that. That was really interesting. And the cool thing about that is you are able to put it on there prior to being on the MLS. Normally, we try to get on the MLS as fast as possible because I don't think, well, for one thing, it puts it onto Zillow, but I see no reason not to. I mean, I think that's the best way to sell a house, but sometimes you'll get the photos done on Wednesday and you're still working out a few details for getting it on the MLS on Thursday, Friday, but you can pop those photos onto Zillow through a system called Postlets. In our market, you want to make sure that you have that form signed with RMLS saying that you can market it outside of RMLS prior, or you can get fined. And we always do get that signed with our sellers, but we'll pop it on Zillow as soon as possible. And then we'll take it live on RMLS as soon as possible as well. But in your case, Tucker, we actually did that. And before we were even on the MLS, we were getting some phone calls. And I think that buyer was in tow prior to being listed. We did end up listing it just to ensure we got you the most offers possible. And that one ended up being the best one regardless. Yeah, it really worked out nicely for all of us. So it was a pretty easy deal for you guys. And it was more money than we thought we were going to get. So hey, that's a win win, right? So yeah, yeah. 
Well, hey, I think this has been a great episode. I think we talked about a lot of really cool stuff. Like I said, we'll bring up my end of it maybe in a future episode for another online resource that people can use. But I think there was a lot of great stuff in here. Thanks for doing that research, talking to those guys at Zillow. I think you really brought a lot of good stuff for our listeners to hear. Yeah, and and I'm excited about next week's podcast. Tucker, you and I are meeting with somebody on Wednesday for lunch. I think our guests are going to be very familiar with who we're bringing on here. And I'm not going to go into too much detail with it, but be on the lookout next week, those of you in listener land, for a really, really cool rollout of what we hope is going to be a recurring segment that is going to have some familiarity to you and is going to be pretty exciting and can also incorporate you as well. Yeah, we've got a big announcement. We're putting together some great partnerships, hopefully moving forward to really entrench us in the real estate community and also help out those that are also in it. So I'm really excited about it as well. But this is episode number seven of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. Steve, thanks for joining me. I'll see you next week. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to our show, and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.